Welcome, everyone, to Topical Brainstorm. Uh, this is our third episode. The topic of today is the third chapter of How to Win Friends and Influence People. And this chapter is, the principle is arousing the other person and eager want. I'm Christian Larson, and this is my co-host, Garrett Fox. Hey, how you doing? Good. How are you? <laughs> I'm well. I still... Uh, oh. Sorry, what? I, I interrupted you. No, you're good. I was just going to let the audience know that uh, you just came from a test and it went pretty well. Uh, hopefully. I don't know my <laughs> story yet, but uh, yeah. hopefully. I just came from Buffalo Wild Wings. It was pretty good. Oh, nice. What uh, what'd you get? I, always, I So today I got the... Today was like buy one, get one free. So I got 10 barbecue chicken wings and or honey barbecue, and I got 10 Parmesan garlic. Mm. It was way good. Uh, it's, it's traditional Tuesday. Yeah, that's what it is. Yep. Yeah, dude. Those are, those are good wings. Yeah. Parmesan garlic. Mm. Tasty. Um, I'm still confused when you say, how's it going, if you're talking to me or uh, talking to our non-existent audience, but... uh. Uh, I mean, it's, I'm talking to everyone. (laughs) You are more than welcome to answer it because you're the one on the other side of my microphone. So, uh, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. All right. Well, um, let's jump in. What did you, what did you take away from this chapter? Uh, today's chapter was really about how to, um, arouse that eager want in people without manipulating them. Um, basically I need to stop saying basically the last episode I said it a ton. So that's my goal this time. I'm not going to say it. Uh, but in this chapter, he talks about how to, um, how to get people to do what you want them to do in a non-manipulative, um, healthy way. Uh, yeah. What did you take away from it? Yeah. Um, that just about sums it up. I think, this principle is is really hard Um, because as we read last week, we spend 95% of our time thinking about ourselves. Yeah. And I think it's, I think it's really hard to remember that people don't care about what we want. They care about what they want. Yeah. And I mean, and you mentioned manipulation and I also think this principle can very easily be manipulated very easily turn into manipulation yeah so yeah there's a lot to a lot to get into and a lot to to learn about this topic i think yeah i have this paragraph written down that i um that i'd like to read that uh i just wrote it down this morning as i was taking notes uh people generally focus on themselves and the things they want nobody does anything unless they get something out of it um they may get a good feeling or in the case of having a gun put to your head, you may get to live. The point is humans do things and always get something out of it, which that I've never really thought about it, but it doesn't matter what you do or why you're doing it. You always get something out of it, whether it's a good feeling, a bad feeling, whether you get money in return, you always, there's always something that you get, which I've never thought about. Yeah, that's really interesting. I 
I listened on um, this other podcast a few weeks ago called The Art of Happiness. I don't remember the name of the, the people, but good podcast. Anyway, there's a guy on there who kind of mentions how if you continue to ask ask yourself, like, why did I do that? Or why did or you ask another person, why did they do that? It always gets down to something selfish, you know? Oh, yeah. And I think an example of this book, they mentioned like a guy donated don't you know gave charity away to the red cross or some organization yeah and it was like he did that because it made him feel good more than the money in his bank account did it's like that's it came down yeah. to the reason you know yeah which is true about everything basically and when you realize that you really can understand the essence of this chapter which is um you can persuade people and influence them by giving them what they want. The trick is doing that in a non-superficial way. Um, So he gives the example of Andrew Carnegie, who uh, he just says that he learned to talk in terms that the other person wants. So if you find out what someone wants, basic. Uh, not basically, <laughs> but if you find out what someone wants, you can then figure out the commonalities between what they want and what you want and put them together. And that's how you end up getting what you want. That's how you influence somebody in a way that is beneficial for both people. And when it's beneficial for both people, uh, according to Dale, then it's no, it's not manipulation. It's kind of symbiotic, so to say. Nice word. <laughs> Symbi- oh, by the way, my family ripped into me for scald. Oh, I was yeah. saying it wrong. It's scold. I thought it. I thought it was scald. I legitimately thought that. That's funny. Yeah, my wife also laughed pretty hard at that part. Um, yeah. Because I was I was confused when you first said it, and then you clarified, and I was like, "Oh, he actually thinks it's the same word." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's one letter. <laughs> they do sound very similar. That is fair. Um, it's like that one time I thought paraphernalia was paraphernalia. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you remember that? I do not. <laughs> you ripped into me so hard for that, dude. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've learned not to criticize people, so you know. Yeah, since then. <laughs> Since, uh, good on you man um anyway i guess we're learning we're learning a lot of things from this podcast more than just uh <laughs> what the book is teaching us but yeah yeah um and i think going back to getting back on topic what you said about how it has to be beneficial for both people um i mean that's that's pretty hard and i think i really liked a quote from henry ford in the chapter that said basically said, um, to paraphrase it, the secret to success is being able to see things from the other person's point of view and or yeah. point of view at the same time. Um, and I really do think that's, that's a difficult thing to do um, quickly. You know, if you, if you sit down and really communicate with someone, a lot of times I think you can find common ground, but being able to do that early on and influence people quickly um, that's definitely a skill I'd like to uh, develop because that is that's not easy. Yeah, for sure. Um, Dale gives the example of himself in this chapter, 
he talks about how one time he had booked a hotel, which he had done uh, in previous years to give a series of lectures, and he had booked the hotel out for 23 nights. And the hotel came back to him with a price tag that was 300% bigger than the, the previous year. And he went to the hotel manager and talked to him and was just like, hey, I, I get what you're doing. Like, you're the manager. Your job is to make money for this place. And if you, like, I'd be disappointed in you if you didn't do that. That's your job. But here, let's write down the pros and cons of me um, booking this place out. The pros are you'll get very intelligent people into your hotel room or into your hotel, and it's basically free advertising for you because intelligent people bring a good spirit to the hotel. Uh, another pro is that you can, you know, you'll make money while while I'm here, although not as much money as if you're renting it out for like a dance or something. Um, but while I have your ballroom rented out, you'll be making some money. The cons are you don't get that advertising and you won't make money from me because I can't afford this price. Um, I just want you to think about that. And then he, he left and he got word the next day from the manager saying, uh, we'll only raise your price 50% from last year instead of the 300%. So he goes uh, goes about basically not basically i need to stop saying that i'm going to edit all these basically's out no <laughs> yeah not allowed. i'm editing i'm allowed to do whatever i want <laughs> you have to hear all the basically's and then the guilt will make you improve yeah that's probably true but so he gets word that the price has been reduced for him and then he ties that into the principle of finding the common ground. And then if you really want something, you have to explain to somebody how it benefits them. And most of the time, you're better off if you don't even mention how it benefits yourself at all. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I thought that was a great example. And uh, I thought that was a really clear, you know, a clear um, example of this principle. I don't think they're usually that easy in real life, or maybe Dale Carnegie has just had a lot of practice. Yeah. Because that, yeah, that example makes it sound easy. And I mean, the other example he uses early on in the book is talking about how he loves strawberries and cream. Um, but to go fishing, you don't put strawberries and cream on your lure because that's not what the fish want, you know, which. Yeah. Again, a very clear example, but as smart as fish can be, as at least people say that, I don't know. I mean, I've fished before, but people say fish are smart. Humans are much more complex and their wants are much, you know, deeper. They're, they have deeper fears. Um, there's just a lot, a lot about every single person on this planet that can be understood, that is hard to understand. Um, and that's where I think, I mean, being able to see other people's point of view is, is key to this whole thing. Um, yeah. How do you think, 
we can better understand, gain that understanding of other people? I don't actually think it's that hard to understand someone's point of view. What I think the hard part is, is remembering to see their point of view. Because most of the time, us as human beings, we spend 95 or 90 or whatever the percentage is thinking about ourselves. And that makes it super hard to, um, that makes it super hard to just remember that if you see someone else's point of view, you're way more likely to be able to interact with them in a positive way and influence them in a way that's beneficial for both of you. Uh, that quote you mentioned by Henry Ford, so the exact quote, I have it written down, it says, if there is any one secret to success, uh, it lies in the ability to get the other person's point of view and see things from that person's angle as well as from your own. And right after that quote, it says that 90% of people ignore this 90% of the time. Yeah, I think if you're consciously... I think it just takes practice, really, just like everything else in life. It's true. Practice and effort. So you asked me a question. Now I have a, a serious question for you. Oh, boy. Um, <clears throat> well, I mean, okay. So at work, I am paid a decent wage, not a lot. Um, I don't want to say it on here in case some of my coworkers ever listen to this, <laughs> but I feel like I deserve a raise. Mm -hmm. So I'm wondering what's the best way I could let my boss see that he needs to give me a raise. Like how would it benefit him? Do you have any ideas for me? Um, I mean, thinking out, thinking about potential <coughs> pros and cons, right? Like, yeah. con, he has to give you more money. But I really think, based on what we read in this chapter, a pros list that you could legitimately argue would be that you'd work better, that you'd work harder, that you'd put more effort into to being a better employee, you'd be happier at work. Um, I mean, those are some things that, that come off the top of my head, but thinking about the situation that you just explained with, with Dale Carnegie and that hotel manager, I mean, I think, I do think that there are a lot of pros that, that you could explain to your boss that would, uh, that would, you know, be things that he would want as opposed to just what you want. Yeah. And on top of that, like my roommate, Austin, who's also a biochemist, he works at a CBD uh, distillery. Um, he basically runs the place. And he said he could offer me a job um, earning like $2.50 more an hour than what I'm getting now. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking about also bringing that up, but I don't know how to bring that up in a way that's like that would benefit him and not just benefit me, you know? Mm -hmm. But, I mean, it's clear leverage that I could use to get that raise. 
Yeah, that's that's a good question, you know, because that kind of goes against what this book has been teaching us. Exactly. Not that I think Dale Carnegie is perfect, you know. Yeah. I'm sure. I'm sure there are other ways to to get your raise, but um, I don't know. Maybe it would. Maybe it'd be more effective to not bring that up. But you know, there's no way of really knowing that. I don't know. Yeah. Well, I also think I I know that my my bosses are are good guys, and I've learned a lot from them. And I, I would love to continue to learn from them, which is maybe something I should tell them. Uh, but if I just explain to them, like, hey, I have another opportunity. I'd love to stay here. Um, you guys are great, and I love learning from you guys. Is there anything you could do for me that would allow me to stay? I think they'd get that. Yeah. Um, and I don't I don't think that would necessarily be manipulative yeah i just depending on how you say it you know for sure i agree and i i think i remember learning this a few years ago like when you're writing an email or or um well i learned this specifically for talking about sending emails but if you i mean you can definitely phrase what you're trying to say in a positive light you know if you start if you start this discussion with your, this hypothetical discussion with your boss by talking about all those things we mentioned before everything your boss might want yeah like start with all that good stuff probably make it more likely to want to give you a raise and then also mention like if it doesn't happen you know i have this other offer that i probably will take or maybe even bring that offer up the next time you talk to them, like after they tell you about the raise or not as an ultimatum, which that's probably manipulative. Maybe that's not a good idea. I don't know. Yeah. I I don't know either. <laughs> that's a tough line, you know, cause like I just want more money. <laughs> yeah. But why, why do you want more money? Cause it would, I like the freedom that comes with money. Um, so I, as you know, Christian, I save a lot of money and I invest a lot of money and I like the feeling that I get when I see this money in my accounts and when I see it go up and I like what I can do with that money. I don't like stressing about about things, whether I can pay for things or not. So I, I just like the that freedom and that feeling, you know? Yeah, I get it. Yeah sense yeah well thanks man do you have any uh any more help for me um smile (laughs) oh here's here's real advice eat some food before you go talk to your boss so you're not oh really that's fair actually i get (laughs) i i need to sleep more too because i I'm whenever I'm tired or hungry at work, it just I clearly don't want to be there. And that's not the attitude to have for someone that's uh about to get a raise, you know? Or oh, that is raise. about to ask for a raise. Yeah. Did I tell you so last time I got a raise, it was about a year ago, and uh I was sitting on my couch um watching Star Wars. <laughs> um, because Disney Plus had just come out. 
Was that a full year ago? Yeah, I think it was, it's been more than a year since Disney came out. I'm pretty no sure. No way. That can't be true. Maybe, maybe I'm wrong, but it was like, it was like last September, October. I was sitting on my couch watching Star Wars and I get this phone call from one of my bosses and she was like, Hey, are you coming to work today? And I like, my heart stopped and like, I was just like, Oh shoot. I totally forgot that I had work today. So I jump in my car and I drive there as fast as I can. I'm 45 minutes late to work. And then my other boss gets there um, probably 20 minutes after I got there. And then that night I'm sitting there closing with one of with two of my bosses. Uh, I basically have four bosses. So the one that called me was different from the one that walked in late. Um, and I... I was sitting there with two of my bosses closing, doing the closing stuff. And the boss that got there after me was like, Hey, uh, you've been doing a real good job here. We're going to give you a raise. And I was like, sweet. (laughs) It's just really funny that it happened the day I was 45 minutes late for work. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, That is, uh, that's, uh, lucky, pretty lucky. I'd say it's pretty awesome. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to yeah. keep showing up late. <laughs> yeah, I know. That should have been the message I took from that. <laughs> um, yeah. Anyway, I, I don't really have more advice on that situation, but I definitely think you should try out trying to mention primarily all the, all the things that would benefit your boss if he gave you a raise. He also He also just spent... So he let me, he allowed me to train in the lab compounding prescriptions. Oh yeah. Um, which is a kind of a big time investment to allow someone to do that. And it costs him money between like the hours I'm in the lab and the amount of times I've screwed up, which hasn't been a lot, but if you screw one thing up, you know, you throw away dollars, tens of dollars worth of powder every time, you know? Yeah. Um, depending on what it is. So I don't think he, and like my boss and I, I'm friends with all of them. I wouldn't say friends, but like we get along. I'm friends with a couple of them. We laugh and we joke and I don't think they'd want to see me go. Um, so, but I can't really say like, I'm the pro, you know, me staying would be the, the pro. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I don't know. We'll see what happens. I, I need to do that this week and uh, report back maybe next time we get together to record. Yeah, for sure. I'd like to hear see that. what out. happens. That outcome. Yeah. Um, I also liked in this book how... Um, he mentioned a few parenting examples that applied this principle. And I thought those were, those were really good. Um, obviously neither of us have kids yet, but I really liked the story about the kid who didn't want to go to preschool. Oh yeah. I liked that one too. The dad, the kid, it was, it was supposed to be the next morning. The kid was supposed to go and the dad got home and I, I imagine to kindergarten by the way. Okay, yeah. 
what's the difference? I passed both of them. <laughs> um, <laughs> anyway, the dad gets home from work and the kid's throwing a fit. And so I feel, I feel like after a long day of work, it would be so easy to just get upset with your kid. Um, but the dad got the whole family together and started finger painting started doing all these fun things and the kid obviously took interest because they were fun. And then he was like, Oh, you can't do this until you uh, learn how to do it at kindergarten. Something like that. I don't know if he let the kid finger paint or not. Regardless. No, you're, you're right. He did not. Regardless. The next morning <clears throat> he came downstairs. He thought he was the dad. He thought he was the first one awake. And uh, he found his son fully dressed asleep in his chair, not wanting to miss the first day of kindergarten. Um, I just thought that was a really powerful way to, to teach that. Um, and really I thought it was a powerful example of patience and a lot of other good things that the dad didn't just instantly get upset with his son in that yeah. situation. It's, well, when I think about like me at work, I don't have a good attitude. So I need to work on that now because when I get married and have kids or even just like when I'm married, if I've had a hard day at work, I don't want to come home and like unleash it on her. You know, she doesn't deserve that. Yeah. So it takes incredible patience and that is definitely something I need to work on now. Yeah. Um, and marriage can be tough. You know, I'm right now I'm working from home. I've got a really loose schedule, but a year ago, like our first year of marriage, I was pretty much working. I was a student for a semester, but um, days I did work, I'd work a full day, you know, and I'd get home at five. And a lot of times I just want to sit, you know, be alone for 15 minutes. Um, I mean, other days I'd just be really excited to see my wife, but there are definitely days when you just, you know, it's been a long day. And uh, yeah, you want to be alone. <laughs> and, and obviously, if you come in the door and you're like, I want to be alone, or you say something snappy, like, it's just going to ruin the rest of your night Your night because your wife's going to be upset with you or... Yeah, for hurt. sure. And it just yeah. ends up, you have to put so much more effort into that just to have some peace. Yeah, um, for sure. And that applies to, I think, all relationships to some extent or another. Um, but being able to... And in those situations, you know, like when I come home from work tired, like my wife and my wife's a nurse, so she has a really weird schedule. There were a lot of times when she would just be home alone for like two or three days straight. And I'd get home and she'd just be have been lonely all day, you know. And if I was really tired, like I would just want to maybe sit and just scroll through my phone mindlessly for 15 minutes. But being able to see my wife's perspective, that helped me a lot, you know, and I wasn't perfect at it by any means, but that helped me on the days that I remembered that um, helped me to like give her attention and um, made things a lot better for both of us, I think. Yeah. So you could see her point of view and your point of view. Yeah which is what Henry Ford describes as a secret to success. True. And I mean, that that took some effort to figure out, you know. 
And I mean, there are a lot of other, one other really good example, I think from, from my marriage is because my wife's a nurse, she works, especially let's just talk about like the first summer after we were married, she would work mostly night shifts. So she would work from six, from five to five, get off at like 5am sleep until, you know, one or 2pm and then do the whole thing again, you know, she only two, she usually worked two night shifts a week for a while, but that, that would lead to her, um, not getting sleepy until, you know, two or 3 PM. And then yeah. I, on the other hand, or not two or 3 AM. And I would be getting up at 7 AM going to work, working a normal, you know, eight to five, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I would, you know, I would get sleepy at 11 PM and that would upset her. And it took me a long time to to figure that out because I would be like, I feel like you're being selfish. Like I need to sleep because I have to get up early. And and we've been like, I got home from work at five. We've been together for five or six hours, and like, it's still not enough for you. You know that was that was my mindset for a while. Um, and then it took me a while to figure out and understand her mindset. But you know, she she felt like I was being selfish. Because I was like taking time away from her and she'd been alone all day, you know, and I didn't really understand being alone all day. But now, right now, I work from home. I'm alone all day. Understand her point of view much better. But it is hard. It's hard to be alone for that long. And uh, it took me a while to figure it out. But once I was able to understand her point of view, we were able to compromise much more. Um figure it out and and we kind of ended up on a scenario where some nights I just stay up super late with her you know as late as I can and then maybe I don't sleep very much but there are also other nights when she's at work and I can go to bed whenever I want so that caused some contention early on but once we were able to see each other's point of view that helped helped us understand each other better and um, helped you know work out some kinks with that situation yeah so how did you guys how did you two come to see each other's point of view? Did you just one day suddenly sit down and think, oh, man, she's been alone all day. Like, I should keep that in mind. Or was it like a lot of communication between the two of you? It was, it's, you know, it's still a work in progress. And our schedules, you know, change once in a while. But it took, you know, it took a number of times of us getting upset with each other. <laughs> times of us trying to communicate and not not really seeing you know I mean we would listen but still thinking my point of view is more important and her still thinking her view more her point of view is more important and it just yeah. took it took getting mad at each other a bunch of times and then finally understanding greater and greater and um you know with time understanding comes and I mean obviously still figuring it out and um right now it's not an issue because i'm home all the time Um, yeah but you know i think those things just take as you mentioned before time and effort you know communication and and uh again it's still a work in progress but there has been progress so good i mean that's really all that you can ask for uh we as imperfect beings can only like walk that line to perfection i guess uh, one thing in the book that I like, so 
chapter three, at the end of chapter three, it kind of concludes the first part of the book. And it gives like in a nutshell, and then it tells you, it goes over the chapters again. Like, don't criticize, condemn, or complain. Give honest and sincere appreciation and arouse in the other person an eager want. Uh, those three things are really what make something sincere. Uh, if you want to arouse uh, an eager want in someone, if you want to do it sincerely, you can't criticize, condemn, or complain about them. And you have to give honest and sincere appreciation to them for that thing. It's also cool. I'm interested to see in the next part if he... So the first one, don't criticize, condemn, or complain, in my mind, kind of falls into the how to win friends section. And then and then the give honest and sincere appreciation kind of fits into both the how to win friends and influence people, in my opinion. And then the arouse and the other person eager want fits into the influence people more than the how to how to win friends part so it's like uh the first one hits one category the second one hits them both and then the third one hits the opposite one as the first i'm wondering if that's a pattern he's going to use in the next chapters yeah um it will be interesting to see and uh yeah as you said we finished off part one part two um, I think it's got six chapters and they're just, he called part one, like the fundamental techniques, I think. Oh, did he? Of dealing with people. Yeah. Fundamental techniques in, hand in handling people. people. Yep. And then part two is like six strategies to six ways to make people like you. Huh? So we got That'd that. That'd be good. Yeah. I wonder if it helps with dating. I'm sure it does, dude. I hope so. You got to influence somebody to marry you. And obviously you want to be friends with that person. So, uh, yeah, I hope so. I don't want like some <laughs> Russian mail order. <laughs> uh, well, yeah. Do you have, uh, anything else you want to talk about with this chapter or, um, no, I was just scanning my notes, but no, I think, uh, I think we covered it. All right, cool. There, uh, I do want to say there were a lot of examples that he went through that we did not talk about. So get the book and read it because it's really good. Yeah. Um, yeah, a big chunk of that chapter is is um, letters that were written and sent to people, which, yeah. which uh, obviously this book was written in 1930. We don't really write letters that often, but still write emails and other things, but most of the letters were good examples of applying this principle, like five or six in a row. And then one at the end was a bad example. And there was just a huge difference in like my desire as a reader to, to do the things that the letters were asking, you know? Oh yeah, for sure. Huge difference in that one letter that was all self-centered. Yeah. Oh, for sure. I yeah. liked the example that he gave where he took the bad letter and then he turned it into a good letter. Is that the one you're referring to? Um, yeah, I think so. Because that, that really hit home to me. I was like, it's really all about how you phrase things. 
And if you just let the other person know what they're benefiting um, or how they benefit from what you want, they're going to give you what you want. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, that that was the example I was talking about, like the freight freight thing. Yeah, that one. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was powerful just to see the, the contrast between the two. Um, yeah. anyway, we'll have to, uh, hear back from your situation at work, how your talks with your boss go. Yeah. I will, uh, have to send him a text and ask him if I can talk to him. Nice. Alone. I don't want to do it in front of everyone. That's weird. Alone. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah. And we'll have to just, uh, keep giving updates on how we apply these principles, but, um, yeah. So do you have anything else you want to touch on this chapter? Uh, no, I like the story of the boy who wets his bed, but, Oh yeah. That was a good one too. I think that the audience should read that themselves. (laughs) That was a real, uh, a real hook. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) We We really should think about setting up some sort of website. Yeah. I don't know how to do that. But <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> uh yeah. Like and subscribe. <laughs> I always want to say that. Nice. You said it. Um All right. Well, we'll be back next week with uh the next the start of uh part 2 with six ways to make people like you. I'm sure there's yeah. stuff in there. So yeah. See you next sure. week. I've always wanted See to you. say that. <laughs> See you then. Bye bye.